Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest sitting on the other side of our Zoom. I don't know, man, Zoom. I'm getting sick of doing Zoom stuff. I guess I just have to embrace this bullshit, eh? Not for much longer, I don't think. You're right. Not for much longer. But I mean, there's pros and cons. You know what, though? I'd rather do a Zoom call than a phone call. I'd rather at least see the person. You know what I'm going to say right now? For anybody listening who's been on our podcast before when we never used to to use Zoom and it was always phone calls. We apologize. How many people would say, I'd much prefer to do this through Zoom so I could see you, I know, but, but we didn't have the equipment. Some, that. <laughs> but not even that. Sometimes the quality of the of the, of the audio is, is, is crap on Zoom sometimes. Yeah. It, and it can be fabulous on a phone call. But then also sometimes I just like to hide though. I'm not going to lie. But I do, I do prefer <laughs> just like when I say a phone call, I'm talking like every regular everyday life, like the Jetsons type of thing. Like I'd rather do no one the Jetsons. They're like, what the fuck's a Jetson? <laughs> You're really showing your. I age. remember. You remember, nice. I was around for those days. Oh yeah. I love that show. Well, there are pros and cons of Zoom. Like today, we are talking with Kaylin Lee on Zoom. And I think, I think you're local, but yeah. she's got a whole bunch of stuff. stone at her place. Yeah, but she's got a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff going on today. So t- it was easy to make this work because all she had to do was open up her laptop and talk to us. She didn't have to travel to us. So there's a pro. Otherwise, yes, yes, we wouldn't okay. be talking to her today. But yes, one day, Kaylin, I want you to actually come into our office and we'll do something in person. But for today... Today, we've got her here on Zoom. She's a registered massage therapist and a rapid transformational therapist, which we're going to learn today what that actually means. Um, I, I I know a little bit, but not a lot. And she's here to teach us. Nice. That's exactly what we want. And then you do some cool stuff with massage as well, right? You got, you do like forehand stuff and all that kind of fun stuff. What? Exactly. Yeah. We've changed the term to a double therapist massage because, you know, saying forehanded massage, people were getting a little bit like, oh, you know, four hands, like, yeah, <laughs> you know how it goes. So we, it's, we had to kind of navigate, navigate around. I almost feel, that. I almost feel like four hands is a term that they do, that they do. I think Emily talked, Emily Muse, she owns a, she owns an erotic massage parlor. She owns two of them. I shouldn't say parlor, erotic massage establishment, illegal licensed body rub places. And I think she told us like they refer to the, when there's, when there's two attendants in the room as a forehand massage. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I think that, that term is really used heavily with erotic massage. So I understand why you'd want to separate that. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I assume that, but okay, that's good to know. So, two therapist massage. <laughs> She's taking her notes. Yeah, I'm like making notes, like make sure to change this on Instagram. Um, but yeah, no, my my best friend is also a registered massage therapist. She's been in the industry for eight years. Um, she's great, and yeah, we just kind of started doing it together because um, she has a lot of clients. Well, we both have a lot of clients that are, you know, have. Uh, you know, are are of the wealthier sort and they have the money and they like to pay for luxury services and, you know, we're able to market that way. And um, it's actually easier. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's slow this down. Cause I do want to talk about this a little bit more in depth. Let's, let's do a, a general intro. Yes. I was going to say, we should probably start with the introduction. So, Hey everyone, it's Amanda. And as I said, we've got Kaylin Lee on zoom today. And before we start uh, for everybody who doesn't know who you are, can you let our listeners know how long you've been in practice, what type of therapist you are, you know, what services you offered, you know, a little bit of background and maybe how you got into massage therapy to begin with. So I have been practicing. I graduated CCMH in 2018. Um, 
when I graduated, I actually moved to Barcelona pretty much right away. And I actually worked in Barcelona um, as a massage therapist, but I was also doing other things. So I wasn't fully in the practice. Um, came back to Canada just before about seven months before COVID hit. I was working at two clinics. Uh, they were great wealth and POA. And unfortunately, due to COVID, they both closed. Wealth didn't recover, didn't reopen. And POA, she moved it to a different studio, which was just too far away for me. I ended up moving to the West End and now I work from home. So I just run a home clinic. Um, all of my patients, because of the because the clinic closed down, um, they wanted to follow me and continue with their health regimes with, with what I've come up with their routines. And um, so, yeah, I've actually just kept working from home. I thought I was going to go to a clinic, but because I'm doing so well and I don't have to, you know, fork over 40% of my income to a clinic, mm-hmm. I've decided to stay. So yeah, I see three or four people a day. Um, they just come to my condo. I treat them. It, it works out well. Um, I don't have to be super rushed or anything. So it's, it's been great. Was the plan when you went to school and finished school was, was the plan always to be like, I'm Canada, I'm out of here. Or how did that come to be? Yeah. So before massage therapy, I actually worked on private yachts as a stewardess. So I traveled all over the world working on private yachts. And I um, I lived in Barcelona when I was 25. I, I got hired on a boat. I got flown to Barcelona. And so I lived in Barcelona for about five or six months. And I've lived all over the world, but I just loved it so much. Like when I'd walk around, I was like, I belong here. Like this place calls to me. I feel like this is where I need to, you know, put down roots eventually. Um, so yeah, so I continued working on yachts. I actually transitioned onto working on a private jet for a little while, moved to the Isle of Man, um, flew the owner of the jet around, um, and his family. And then one day I just decided, you know what, I'm done working for rich people. Like, I just don't want to be at someone's beck and call anymore. I want to run my own business. I want to work for myself. I want to be flexible, blah, blah, blah. Before I was a, before I was a massage therapist, I did a lot of personal training and I had a lot of super wealthy clients that I went to their homes for to, to train them. Do you feel, did you feel like the help there's some people that I actually totally felt like the help. I'm I'm working for people who like they've never heard the word no. They don't understand the concept of no or we can't get that for you. We like we're talking about the world's elite here. Like people who own private yachts that cost $500 million. Like 300 foot yachts that have two helicopter landing pads. You know what I mean? Like these are crazy rich people and so yes, absolutely. I mean, that being said, I did work for a couple of families that were wonderful. They treated me like family. It all kind of depends. Like it's, it's just kind of the luck of the draw, I guess. Um, but I worked for many families or many people who they would snap their fingers and be like, um, excuse me, come, come, you know, clean this up. Right. Or they'd be having dinner with their guests and their guests would drop something and the guests would go to pick it up and they'd be like, no, 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 the help can do it. Excuse me. Um, da, 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 and like slap, smack their fingers, snap right. their fingers at me and, you know, or shoot, like I've had people shoo me away and, um, you know, not all people are like that, but you have to kind of understand that these people, they didn't grow up the same way we would have grown up. They grew up with, you know, does being exposed to people that have funny money make you want to have funny money or does it repel you away from like, I don't, uh, that's not something I want to be or do ever. It's so funny that you asked that. I get that a lot. And the, it was so many people said, oh, you, you know, you're around like jets and helicopters and people that, you know, you go all over the world and you see all this stuff and they wear the best clothes and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, you must want that. 
I'm like, you know what though? I don't because and I don't want to, I feel bad because I work for some really amazing people. Don't get me wrong. There's some phenomenal, phenomenal people out there who are wealthy, but they're also amazing inside and outside. So, um, I can't say generally, but no, like a lot of them are unhappy. They're miserable. They're high strung. They never live in the moment. They're always on their phone. They treat people like crap because they're just so like, I don't know. They just, it's so different. So no, I, I don't want that life. Like, I mean, I obviously it's nice to have money to be able to do what you want, go where you want, take breaks. Um, but I would never want to be that rich and I would never want to be married to, I get this a lot too. Like, Oh, you know, did any of the yacht owners try to date you? Or like, did you, you know, go out with any of them? And yeah, of course you, you get hit on and things like that, but no, I would never ever be with a man that was that wealthy or even just a fraction of that because not going to lie. Most of the time they feel like they have the ability to, and they do to date many women because women are afforded a certain lifestyle because of the money. And sometimes they'll turn a blind eye or they actually, they know what's going on. So they just kind of go about their lives, but they have this beautiful lifestyle and then their husbands are out like, okay, I worked on yachts where the husband would come on with his wife and kids and the next weekend he'd bring on guys and they'd be flying in hookers from Russia, like on a private jet, five hookers. And then the next weekend, the wife and kids would be back on and he's the best dad and the best husband and sweet and like super gentleman and, and all those kinds of things. And I'm just thinking like, Oh my God, I could, I just would never want that for my life ever. I have two questions before we get into learning about you as a massage therapist. So this is unrelated. This is about the rich and famous lifestyle that you had. Uh, one, I'm so glad that you're talking about what it actually was like being in there, because I assume a lot of people would think like, wow, like how glamorous and it, it's not exactly glamorous when you are, I'm putting in air quotes, the help, because it depends again, like you said, the people that you're working for, do they view you as a human or are you literally this dispensable person that's just the help? Um, but I want to know one, how did you get into this? How did you start working for the the elite? Did somebody come and find you? Did you like apply for a job? Like how does how does somebody get into doing this? So I grew up in a very, very, very small town, like 2,500 people, had to take a, an hour long bus to the next town over to go to high school because my town didn't have a high school. Um, and I just, you know, I was never my destiny to stay in that town. So, um, I, as soon as I finished high school, I didn't even stay for graduation. Like I went to prom and the next day I was out, like I flew to Tofino. My cousin lived, my cousin lives in Tofino and he would always try to recruit family members like after high school or college Mm -hmm. or whatever. So I actually went out there and I worked for him. So I worked in the hospitality industry. I cleaned rooms. I was a housekeeper. Um, I worked my ass off. Um, you know, my work ethic is just for my parents growing up. Like I have a very strong work ethic, you know, whether I'm cleaning toilets or massaging someone or whatever it is, I, you know, I put a hundred percent into it. So I did that for a while. Then, um, came back to Toronto, went to school for, uh, at Humber college for advertising media sales. Then I backpacked across Europe for a bit, uh, with a girlfriend of mine. And I just fell in love with the world and, you know, Europe and, and stuff. And so I was working at a real estate office and I, I hated it. Like, I was like, I hate this nine to five. I can't sit, sit in an office. This is brutal. So I started reaching out to all these people on Facebook and I just happened to include my cousin, Dwayne, who's in Tofino in this group. And thank God I did, because I just said, Hey, does anybody have any friends or family that work overseas and like 
you know, at a resort or a, a spa or anything where they could hire me and I can go overseas and work um, because I just, I needed that, you know, experience abroad. And my cousin Dwayne said, why don't you work on yachts? You get to travel the world and you'll get paid. And I was like, what's a yacht? Like, I have no idea. Like <laughs> people here in Toronto will be like, you know, oh, guys are like, oh, come out on my yacht. And I'm like, oh, how big's your, your yacht? And they're like, oh, it's 30 feet. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh honey <laughs> kidding like I, I i'm you know grateful for anything like i grew up in canoes and tin boats and things like that so i'm not I, i'm just teasing but uh i'm talking like 300 foot kind of yachts and and things like that so i kind of picked his brain he put me in touch with one of his friends who uh is in the industry stacy and yeah, she, I picked her brain and she told me everything. And so one day I literally just was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. So I, I booked a flight down to Fort Lauderdale. I contacted a crew house because that's where I was told everyone goes. You meet people, help people. It's people in between jobs, looking for jobs. Captains will sometimes come there and be like, I need someone to work on the boat today. Pay you 150 bucks US. You get lunch and dinner, come work on the boat. And uh, you know, if you're up early enough, you can snag that job. And it often leads to a full-time job. So I booked myself in a, at a crew house and I signed up for the course. Um, it's called your STCW 95. So you have to do like fire, firefighting, water safety. Like you actually wear all the firefighting gear. You have to go into like uh, a room that they've set on fire and you have to put out the fire and you have to like do all this stuff and um, do all this water safety and a bunch of CPR, first aid, that kind of stuff. So I got certified and I think three weeks I got my first job on a boat through a friend of a friend, actually Stacy hooked me up. It's a very small industry. I mean, it's huge, but it's also very small. So like I met people in Fort Lauderdale and then when I got a job, I was kind of sad. I didn't want to leave the crew house. I made such amazing friends who to this day are still, still friends of mine. And so I got a job and uh, next thing you know, taking off to the Caribbean and I was in St. Thomas, St. St. Martin, St. Bart's like all over the place, but you'd see your friends from Fort Lauderdale all over the place. Cause there's only certain marinas that can accommodate such large vessels. Um, it's not just like your average, uh, marina that can accommodate that. So it was so cool. So I'd see my friends all over the world and then, um, you know, you do the Mediterranean season and yeah, so it was a very cool lifestyle. It's very much like a, a networking thing. Like a lot of things are right. It's Absolutely. who do you know? That and, like but also on top of networking, like you said, you actually took the initiative to get certified and take the courses and like you worked your ass off. If that meant that you were working a whole day and working your ass off on a yacht and getting paid 150 bucks, you're like, cool, I'll do that because you meet people and this could turn into something. Yep. Do you think your experience working on these luxury yachts and, you know, with all of these, these very um, elite type people and how having to communicate with them. Do you think that has helped you now? And, you know, you said right now with your massage business, you do work with a lot of people still who have a certain type of lifestyle. Do you think it helps that you like know how to like talk to these people? Like, do you think, you know, having that experience sort of moved over into this world that you're in now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would hope that all of our past life experiences lead to lessons and um, just adaptability. So, but a lot of people can't hack the yachting industry because they cannot handle being, tr you know, treated a certain way, talked to a certain way. Um, they can't handle the, the, the work because you literally are scrubbing toilets. You are, uh, you're, you're in the laundry room. Like it, it, depending on the size of the boat, 
you often are in the laundry for all like all day. And then the next day you're on service, the next day you're on cleaning or on the bigger boats, you're, you're designated to like one of those kind of sections. Um, but yeah, like I was scrubbing toilets, cleaning up dirty condoms. Um, you know, these people, what I, I should, I feel bad, like, cause again, a lot of them are amazing, amazing human beings and they do a lot for charity and things like that. But let's just say on the whole, like some of these people don't understand that we have to go in there and clean up after them. Um, but the, the type of cleaning is like, guys, that's a whole other freaking conversation. Like I'm right. I'm literally <laughs> writing a book about it because when I tell people they're like, no fucking way, like, come on, you did not have to do that. I'm like, yeah. Like when you're, you're going into the room and when I say you clean the room, like I'm talking like Q-tips and into the, the, the toilet, like parts and stuff. Like it is beyond five star and they have a hairbrush. Like a, a girl will have a hairbrush. You go in and you're taking the hair out of that hairbrush and you open their cosmetics and you take a Kleenex and you clean around the, the head of the cosmetic, like the, the foundation so that there's no foundation on the, on the outskirts of the opening. You take, you know, you're, you're cleaning their, the toothpaste, like you open the toothpaste, you, it's ridiculous. Like it takes, you're working from the, the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, you're just go, go, go. And you're working on average 18 hour days because these people nonstop and there'll, there'll be 12 guests and, and you're, you just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So yes, absolutely. My work ethic, I think carries over to my massage therapy, um, which is why I like to see three to four people a day. I'm not seeing seven, eight, nine people a day because to me personally, I know there are people out there that can do that. Um, however, for me, I want to give my, the last person I see of the day, the exact same high quality massage and pressure and treatment and energy that I give the first person of the day. So I think that comes from, you know, my background and wanting to just, you know, do the best job as for working for people. Yes. I mean, you learn to be a chameleon, you learn to be adaptable. Um, However, it did teach me like at the time, like you have to hold your tongue. If someone says, you know, speaks crappy to you, you can't go, excuse me, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Like they'll literally put you wherever you are in the world, buy you a plane ticket and bye-bye, you're gone. And like, you've just made a name for yourself in the industry. Like you cannot talk back to these people. It's just not how it goes. And as much as, you know, looking back, I'm like, holy shit, I took a lot of crap, but it made me have a really thick skin. And it just made me appreciate the good people in my life and the people who speak positively to me and my parents and my relationships. Like, I'm just like, wow, like I really value when people see me and hear me and acknowledge me. Um, and I don't have time for anyone who treats me otherwise. And yes, I work with a lot of affluent people, but they treat me with so much respect because if they don't, guess what? You're not coming back to me. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. not going to book you again. You know, you, or I'm not coming to your home to treat you. Like you don't get to talk to me like crap. And then I come and do amazing work on you and heal you and help you in your life. That actually must be a really cool kind of sensation when you're dealing with the same, the same caliber of person, but you have a change in role and yeah. the change yeah. in role where you are actually in that kind of mega power position. That must be, this is like, my business yeah, now. You're on like my a, yacht it now. Must be like a really kind of cool, cool. They're completely on opposite <laughs> ends. So for you having experienced that and possibly experiencing that with the same clientele, this is, that's, a, that's a really interesting go. That's a book right there. Fuck. Yeah. You, you really can write a book and you're going to have stories. Oh my goodness. I can imagine you as like, like a little lady talking about when you used to work on the yachts. Yeah, no, seriously, I do. And I'm a huge advocate for people to do this work. Like I tell my friends who have kids, like, listen, if your kid doesn't know what they want to do when they're 17, they have to choose in high school. Oh, I want to do this. 
And then that's not what they end up doing. Cause that's what happened to me. Like, am I in advertising media sales? No. Did it help me? Probably. I learned some sort of skill, but still, I just, I'm like, tell your kids to go work on yachts because you know, I'll help them ch- navigate how to choose the right yacht. You interview the captain, you know, h- how do you deal with conflict resolution? What do you do if there's bullying on board with the crew? Because, Hey, the crew is a whole other ball game. Like you're getting people from all of the world with different values and, you know, different cultures and religions and stuff like that. And sometimes you'll have someone from a culture where they're like, no, 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 women don't get to speak. Like the crew will say, like, I've, I literally had a guy say to me, you're a woman, you don't get to, to talk to me like that. Like I was like, excuse me? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no, that's, you're not back in, I won't say where he was from, but so I think that it's, it's so important for people to do work like this because it gives you like, I can't tell you how many jobs before I just decided to go back to school for massage therapy. I will come back like every summer. I never really wanted to do the Mediterranean season because that was the busiest season. Owners came on for like three months out of a, at a time. And I'm like, hell no, I am not working 18 hour days for three months. Like you literally get no breaks. I would have breakdowns during a three week period because I'm like, I need my sleep. Like I value my sleep so much guys, <laughs> eight, nine, 10 hours a night. Okay. I understand you. I understand. I love sleep. I would come home for the summer and I'd always like go to those like agencies that would place you in, in jobs just to get like a reception job for the summer. I would do promo work, all that kind of stuff. And every single time I go for a job, they would look at my resume and I would always get the job because they're like, your life experience is amazing. Oh, I'm like, I can't do Excel. I can't do Microsoft. I'm shit at computers. <laughs> but because of your life experience, I always get the job. So I think it's so important for people to have life experience. Didn't we have this discussion recently? Didn't we have this discussion? Like, yes, edu- yes, we're not saying education is not important as we're two educators here. Obviously, we think education is important, but it's not the be all end all like life experience and just experience in general, like, you know, do a whole bunch of things, figure out what you're good at, figure out where your strengths are. We did a video shoot with someone. She's an older massage therapist and she came into massage therapy kind of late in life. And during this video shoot, we were talking and she's like, you know what? Life experience makes you a good massage therapist. Like this massage therapist that went straight from high school into private career college, finished their schooling in 16 months, zero life experience. You're, you're not going to be the greatest therapist ever. Because you don't quite understand. You, you don't, don't understand, understand people. You don't understand people. You don't understand people. And like, you know, you've had such experience with so many, di- like you said, so many different people from all over the world. You understand people of different cultures, people with different backgrounds, different life experience. That alone will make you a good therapist and being able to understand your patients. Like, I like how you said you learned how to be like uh, adaptable, right? You know, I used to say that I'm a chameleon and I stopped saying that because I don't want people to think that means I change my personality, but it's like I have the ability to put myself in somebody else's shoes and be able to meet them where they are because I I understand you. So being adaptable is really important. And I don't think you can be that when you're 17 and you know, you know, especially let's say in your situation, being from a small town, you know, you know, the two extremes. It's it's such an extreme. Yeah, Yeah. no, totally. I I think that's, yeah, that's a very good point. And about being empathetic, right? You, you throughout life, you learn to be empathetic to certain situ to people and situations and stuff because you've learned, like you said, you put yourself in people's shoes and you understand, like, oh wow, this person. That's something I learned too. Is like people can be such jerks or just so dismissive of you, and that that makes me sad for them because I'm like, you 
maybe you're upset because you are a billionaire and you don't really know who your true friends are. Like who's going to be there for you at the end of the day. If you lost everything, if you lost every penny and maybe that's why you're grumpy. Maybe that's why you're an angry person because are you truly happy? Like, are you truly inside happy with your life? Like, yes, you have a jet. Yes. You have a yacht. Yes. You have anything and everything that you want at your fingertips. But I kind of think that that's really sad because I mean, there's kind of magic in working your ass off and then being like, I get to go on this vacation. Like this weekend, it's my birthday on Saturday. I'm going away to, um, it's called stay unbounded. It's one of my best friends started this from the ground up, like from a passion. And now it was a passion project. And now it's like this big company. And so I'm going to this retreat and I'm like looking forward to it so much. And I'm like literally craving it. I'm so excited. And I know it's, it's going to mean so much to me because I freaking earned it. You know, you earned nothing it. these yep. people earn it. But like when you can have anything at any time, I feel like some of the the, the passion and like your like maybe your like the drive and the the magic. One hundred percent. We've had that conversation as well, where like there's there's a certain excitement um, in novelty, right? When it's something that you don't get all the time, something that isn't just like you can have anything at the drop of a hat. Even if it's, you know, not necessarily something you worked your ass off for, but when you get something that's like out of the ordinary, that's, you know, not normally that you wouldn't think is normally for you or whatever, whether you earned it, you manifest it, whatever, like that's, there's this excitement that comes along with it. When you can have anything you freaking want, if you're freaking Kim Kardashian, like, does that woman get excited about anything anymore? I also, I also, maybe I'm completely wrong because what what the fuck do I know about anything? But I also feel like sometimes what it takes to get you into that position where you have funny money is is partly you got to be a jerk and therefore you're just a jerk you got in this place in life from being a jerk you've so st- you've stepped on people exactly yeah. i mean that's the same same idea like when musicians get funny money they just do stupid shit you want to know why because they're artsy people they're not meant to be <laughs> fucking handed millions of dollars and and, and 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 act responsibly it doesn't make sense right going back to Kardashian, I just have to say one thing because everyone always hates on the Kardashians. Um, I don't. If you've ever listened to me, I don't. (laughs) Kim, I have to say I'm so proud of her for going to school to be a lawyer. And now she does a lot of um, all her work, like the freedom, you know, freeing people that were wrongly um, accused on death row and exonerating them. Like, I think that that's so amazing that she's doing that. And that, I think, is a great example um, for someone that, like you said, ha- can do anything, go anywhere, have whoever, whatever she wants. It's like, what? I think she probably did that because she felt like such a void. Yeah, well, that's it's fulfilling. Yeah, it's fulfilling to her. But I will say you're right. I If you've ever listened to any of our episodes, I'm one of the few people that actually doesn't hate on the Kardashians because I'm like, you guys hate on them. Why? Because they got rich for nothing? No, they're fucking smart business people, man. They're billionaires for doing what? Putting their lives on display for 20 years. That's that's what. Exactly. And being, and no one likes to accept criticism and you write something, you know, you post a picture and someone writes something horrible. That's their life day in and day out. And they're humans. People go, oh, boo-hoo, they're billionaires, like deal with it. But you know what? They're they're freaking human beings. And like to read like, oh, you suck, you should go die, because people say horrible things. Like that's not nice, no matter how much money you have. So like they've dealt with a lot of shit. And people that hate on them, it's just because they're jealous. You're just jealous because these girls fucking, they haven't made, you know? But they, I, I agree, they worked, they worked hard, but hey. We'd all we'd all take that if we had like, hey, do you yes. want to do do you want to do this and ha- be a billionaire? OK, you know, 
So, so we can't we can't hate on them. So how does how does massage become a thing for you? Yeah, that was I, I need to know like how do you go from working on yachts? I know you didn't want to do that anymore, but why massage? You could have done so many things. You could have got back into marketing. Why massage? So out of high school, I actually I wanted to be a massage therapist. So my god sister Amy Sutton, she did massage therapy out of school. Uh, she now runs her own clinic in Guelph. She's super successful. She's amazing at what she does, and. I wanted to do that as well. Like I just, I loved science. I loved anatomy. I loved biology in, in, in high school. That was kind of my, my jam. Um, and my parents were like, well, I think you should like go to school for business. Like you can do massage, like on this, let's face it back then. And still now there's a stigma attached to massage therapy, you know, and not that my parents think anything bad of it, but like, you're just, they were like, I think that you should do business. And so I chose to go to school for business Um, but even like my cousin, like she would say to me, like, oh, whenever I'd babysit you, I'd be like, oh, my neck hurts. And you would come and massage me. Like, I just, I just innately and intuitively have always been a healer. Um, like even when like I grew up in the country and I'd always find baby animals, like birds that fell under their tree, a tree or whatever. And I would nurse them back to health. I even had a baby skunk once I found, you know, families of baby bunnies. You should see Mark's face right now with the the skunk. He's like, no, no, no. I had her in the the basement bathroom. I was like, dad, don't go in the bathroom. And he's like, what do you have in there now? And I'm like, just don't go in there. Two seconds later, I just hear him screaming. He's like, get that thing out of here. But then she became part of our family and like, she'd run around while we watch TV. The skunk became your pet? Well, not her. I couldn't release her for a certain amount of time. And they, they can't spray you for, I believe it's like until her six weeks or something like that. So I found her when she was like a baby baby and I literally nursed her back okay. to health. And, um, but yeah, that's how I got into it. Um, so I did the whole yachting thing. I always had like the marketing background to fall back on. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, and it's funny because I reached out to CCMH, I guess in 2012. And I kind of totally forgot about it. Cause I was like, I guess massage has just always been on the back burner for me. It's always been in the back of my mind, just like, in, you know, instinctually. And so I was talking to Susie, who was the, one of the owners, I guess. And so fast forward to 2016, when I go into the school to have a meeting with her, she's like, your name is very unique. I'm like, yeah, it's Gaelic. My, my family's Scottish and Irish. And she's like, no, but I think that we've spoken before. I'm like, we have. And she's like, yeah. And she like put my name in her email and she pulled up an email uh, thread that we had sent each other in like 2011, 2012. And I was like, whoa, that's yeah, that, that was me. I totally forgot that I reached out and like inquired about how much it cost and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah. So then in 2016, I, I came back and I uh, went to CCMH. It graduated 2018 and then moved back to Barcelona and then it kind of all unfolded from from there so did you practice massage in Barcelona so that was the goal so I spent so much money on getting all of my like papers and diplomas and all that kind of stuff and even the um the curriculum I had to get everything translated into Spanish send it to the Spanish embassy get it notarized da 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 no one gave a shit. Like I got went over there and I'd like have this package and I went to like spas and I'm like, here you go. You can see like I had honors and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, cool. Like, let me just get you to massage me. And like over there, it's so free. Like I remember this, the one lady, she was like a spa owner and I didn't really want to work at a spa. I wanted to do a clinic and I couldn't find one. And like, not to the capacity that we're used to like a multidisciplinary. And so this woman, she's like, Oh, took me downstairs, like a beautiful spa, like this Thai place. And, um, 
she just like whipped off her clothes. She was like buck naked, just got on the table. And she's like, massage my upper back, please. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like massaging her. She's like, do my neck. I want to see how strong your thumbs are. I'm like, okay. And I massage her. And then after, which was my mistake, stupid me, then we discussed compensation. And she's like, okay, so here's how it works. And, I, and I'm sitting there like expecting a job offer and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it's 780 euros a month to start. And you do 40 hours a week. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Like that's no. And she's like, it's not 40 hours of massage. You come and you clean, you do laundry, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, for 780 euros. No, I don't think so. So that was a bye-bye. So I just kept looking and, um, it's so hard to get like all your permits and stuff over there to do it legally. I had a bank account and everything, but then to do taxes, like to be, um, a, what do you say? Like a independent contractor over there. It is so expensive. Like what you have to pay, I would barely be making that a month. So I'm like, fuck, how am I going to get around this? Long story short, I basically, instead of, you know, to supplement, I was massaging just friends here and there, people that I would meet and stuff. And then I started nannying. So I was like picking up kids from school and I had tutored them English. And then I started teaching English online to kids in China. So that's what I was doing while I was over there. And then two months before I came back to Canada, um, I, through a friend of a friend, met this girl, uh, her name's Sophie. She's from the UK and she has a clinic called Coeo Life and it's amazing. She's an incredible chiropractic doctor and she also does uh, human design and stuff. And um, she hired me and I was just giving her like a cut of my, of my income. Um, so it went really well for two months. I was doing really, really well. Um, but my mom and sister had come to visit and I kind of made, I made the choice that I'm like, holy shit, like seeing my mom in Spain, because she surprised me. I had no idea she was coming with my sister. I was like, I feel like I don't know my mom, even though I would consider myself so close to her. I just was like, holy shit. Like I saw this different side to her and it made me really sad because I literally, since I was 18 years old, I've been away. I was in Tofino, then Toronto, then all over the world. You know, I, I lived in Africa for a little while. I've lived everywhere. And I'm like, I, I've really missed a lot of time with my parents, you know? Mm. And so I decided to come back. Um, and this is like kind of just before COVID hit. So that's kind of the story in a nutshell, but if I were to go back over, which is kind of my plan with the RTT, which, you know, we're going to talk about my goal is to be able to split my time because I literally have like, a, if I were to go over next week and tell Sophie, she'd be like, okay, you're working at my clinic and I'll have a full schedule for you you know, in two weeks. Um, because mo- because it's such a transient city, there's so many expats over there. So it's, I was treating all Canadians, mostly Americans, and they're used to paying that price. The, the Spanish, especially the Catalans, when I was charging 65 euros for an hour massage, they were like, are you out of your mind? Because the average pay is like, the average income over there is about 1,100 euros a month. So to spend, you know, I, was, I think I was charging 95 euros for 90 minutes. Like, who is this crazy blonde lady? <laughs> but, but my American clients, my Canadian clients, they were all for it. They were like, yeah, this is great. They loved it. It was, it was good. Um, so yeah, my plan was to never come back from Barcelona, but it was kind of like, I don't know, this whole, this feeling of, you know, missing my family and stuff for the first time. I'm like, I want to be there for my parents. Like these are the best years of their lives. If you think about it, like they're in their sixties. So 
I, yeah, I, I just decided to come back and I'm happy to, like, I love Toronto. Um, I didn't used to, but I do now and I'm happy to be here. So well, it was good timing too, because as you said, it was right before COVID. So at least you got to be with your family during this time, right? Um, do you speak multiple languages considering you've traveled the entire world? One would think, but no, I don't. I, I had every inten- intention of learning Spanish when I was over there, but like I said, it's such a transient city and there's so many expats from all over the world. Like my friend group, like my best friends were, uh, the UK, New Zealand, Egypt, uh, Paris and Iceland. So everyone, the communal language was English. So that's how we all yeah, you know, and then you go to the restaurant, and the guys that were you know bringing you food, they'd be like, "Oh, you, you would try to speak." You'd be like, uh, "Una mesa para dos, por favor." Like, can I get a table for two, please? And they're like, "Oh, English? Ah, table for two? Yes," because they want to practice <laughs> their English, right? So then you're like, oh, "Okay," you end up speaking English. So there's no like urgency to learn, um, but unfortunately, no. I it's still on my you know still a goal of mine to learn Spanish, but. No, I do not speak multiple languages. I just know how to say bad words in most languages. <laughs> that's the fun stuff. It's okay. That's yeah. the fun stuff. So let's talk about the RTT. Yes, since, yes. as I said, I, I know a little bit, but not a lot. So for people listening who know nothing, can you explain to us what this is and how you decided to incorporate that into your practice now? Yes. So there's kind of so many reasons why I got into it, but I'm going to say the main one was I read a book called The Body Keeps a Score. And it's about PTSD, generational trauma and all this kind of stuff, but how it manifests physically, how it turns into depression, anxiety, uh, physical pain, um, all these kinds of ailments that people have. And I'm like thinking, I have so many, one client in particular, again, very wealthy woman, um, has access to the best doctors, the best specialists, and she has this neurological like foot pain literally idiopathic. Like every doctor's like, Oh, it's idiopathic. Oh, it's autoimmune, which is just obviously a word for, we don't know why this is happening to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I got to thinking, I started asking her like, how long has this been going on? She said 15 years. I said, what happened in your life 15 years ago? She's like, I don't know. Like, and I'm like, well, think about it. Like what did something significant happen in your life? And she's like, Oh, well, my, my mother passed away quite horrifically, actually. And I said, did the pain start before or after that? And she said, after. And then I just kind of got to thinking, like, could this possibly be a manifestation of um, trauma that she's not dealt with, right? Um, so I read the book, The Body Keeps a Score, and I just got so fascinated with it. And then I listened to, po- I try to listen to podcasts every morning. Um, I'm a big fan of Vision Lakiani, who runs Mind Valley. And I heard this podcast with Marissa Peer. So Marissa Peer is the founder of RTT. She's a world-renowned psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, and a best-selling author. She's amazing. And I started listening to her podcast and I'm like, whoa, what is this RTT? It sounds so cool. And her whole thing is like, talk therapy is great. I'm not knocking talk therapy. However, people go to talk therapy for months, years, decades, and they talk about their problems. They talk about their past. But the problem with that is that every time you talk about your past, A, you're experiencing it differently every time. And also your how you feel that day in that moment is going to alter how you see your past, how you remember your past. Yeah. Um, it also elicits a lot of shit. So like if I talk about something that happened to me, you know, in high school, like I got bullied and this 
something happened to me. I got cheated on by my first boyfriend ever and it broke my heart. I start thinking about that. It actually starts to give me anxiety. It starts to boil my blood. It starts to make me angry. I, you can feel anger come, come up. Right. Um, so her whole thing is like, why sit there and talk for years about all the bad things that happened to you? Um, you know, and all the, the shit that's happening in your life and how mom screwed you up and how dad screwed you up and all that kind of stuff. She's like, I want to find out what that person wants in their life. I want to know, what do you want? Okay. I want to be happy. What does happy mean to you? I want to wake up in the morning and fill my lungs and feel light. I want to feel, I don't want to feel heavy anymore. I want to feel light. I want to be able to go into a room with confidence. I want to be able to speak with confidence. I want to be secure in who I am. I don't want to worry about what other people think about me, whatever. Um, okay. If that's what you want, that's what we're going to give you. So let's find out why you don't have that, why you don't have that, why you don't have confidence when you walk into a room, because you weren't born with no confidence. In fact, it's the opposite. Babies have all the confidence in the world. They, they laugh and they cry and they giggle and they want something. They cry because they know someone's going to come and give them what they need. Um, you know, they'll, they'll burp and fart and have poop up their neck and they just laugh and they, you know, they're full of confidence. These, babies it's somewhere along the line we learn these limiting beliefs like you know something happens to you and you now have created this limiting belief and it's mostly to do with your primary uh caregivers so our realities how we behave in the world how we speak to ourselves how we speak to others how we react to situations or stresses are all outcomes of conditioning from when we were little children by the time we're 7 years old we have formed our beliefs and our character and based on our observations and the behaviors of our caregivers, right? So if you have parents that, if you have parents that never come to your soccer game and, you know, you're in the stand, you're, you look up in the stands and your parents aren't there. Um, but it's because it's not because they don't love you. It's because they're out working two jobs because they need to put food on the table because you have five siblings and they have to work so hard. But as a child, you can't rationalize that. So in your mind, the meaning you attach to that is I'm not lovable. I must not be wanted. They don't care about me. So then you start to have that belief that you're unloved, you're unlovable. Um, this is just kind of like a, a, a very brief description. It gets a lot deeper than that. But then as that, as that child, you grow up with, with those limiting beliefs and it affects everything. It, it affects how you behave in relationships. It affects how you speak to yourself, that the words that you speak to yourself, the thoughts that you have, your, your thoughts create your beliefs and your beliefs dictate how you behave and you know what yep. your life is today. Right. So RTT is like, it's, oh, it's so amazing because I mean, I'm new to, I just recently graduated, but I've been working with people who um, can't sleep at night. And, you know, they, this, this girl that I just recently worked with, she, um, she said that she's been going to therapy for 20 years and she's like, you know what? I already know what my issue is. I know what the problem is, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, great. This is gonna be very challenging because people like that, they're, they're difficult to work with because they think they are, they have it all figured out. But then I put her into hypnosis and I regressed her and these scenes started coming up. And she was telling me about these scenes. And then I asked her to do something called role, function, purpose, intention. And I said, I want you to look inwards and I want you to find that part of you, that part of you that came up with these symptoms, that came up with these, this um, insomnia, let's say. And I said, I want you to talk to that part. And I want you to ask that part, like, what is your role in my life? Like, what are you doing? And then she said, it's the role in my life, the, the role I'm playing in her life, because you want to talk to it, like it's a separate entity. 
is to protect her. And I said, to protect her from what? And she said, from being alone. And I need to protect her from being alone because, and she said, because when you're alone, it means you're, it's painful being alone. It means that no one's there. No one loves you. No one wants you. And it's because in her scenes, her father had abandoned her when she was four years old. And um, yeah, it gets, it's, it's very deep to explain like without wanting to talk to you for like an hour, but basically yeah, it, it regresses you into mainly childhood. Sometimes it's your early 20s or teens, but it finds out the when, where, why, how you developed this limiting belief that has led to um, addiction, that has led to poor self-esteem, that's led to fear of flying, fear of speaking in public. Um, so yeah, it's it's really cool because you get to it right right then and there, you're, you're working with the subconscious mind. And when you can work with the subconscious mind, your critical factor is diminished. So you're not speaking with an ego. You're not talking to a therapist and, and you know, using your conscious mind to answer. You're literally kind of like in a state of, you're in an alpha brainwave state. So you're relaxed, almost like in a meditative state. And I'm speaking to your subconscious. And the things that come up are really interesting. And people afterwards are like, holy shit, I, I didn't even remember that happened to me. I didn't even, I had no idea that that scene you know, that when I was three years old, that scene has everything to do with why I am this way today. So that's what I'm doing. And the way I like to tie it into massage is that so many people, they can get treatment, they can get acupuncture, they can get massage, they can do meditation, they can do breath work. But if you don't get down to the why, why do I have anxiety? Why do I have low confidence? Why can I never be in a loving relationship? And I only date narcissists or abusive people. Why? Um, RTT gets down to that why and so specific, like literally down to the moment that it you you know um inherited this belief or this uh, addiction or like OCD OCD is a huge one like it's crazy what happens it's all about loss of control and things like that so um it ties in with massage because people come to me and I don't know about you guys being massage therapists people treat you like you are a therapist they tell you Everything. all of their shit they, like lay it on you right and I'm like, I need to be able to help these people in a deeper level. Like massage is great. It helps to relax, to relax them in that moment. And maybe it carries on with them throughout the day for like a little while, but I want to help them at their root core. Like, why do you have this issue? So it's been amazing so far. I've been getting incredible feedback. People are just so shocked. Like they always think that they know the answer. And then when I, when I put them into hypnosis, they're like, holy shit, I had no idea that that little tiny thing that happened to me when I was in high school or when I was in grade seven had such an impact on me. This is so fascinating to me because it's, I mean, we all know this, but like hearing it and hearing your real patient experiences about the things that we hold on to and we don't even realize we've held on to them. We've had a lot of talk about this and I'm sure, you know, now in your practice, you're probably going to start dealing with a lot of people with chronic pain issues and it's because they're holding on to so much shit and having the ability to get to that root cause and help them to release that is, it's going to be incredible. Like you're, 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 finally putting those, somebody putting those two pieces together. You know, we as manual therapists always talk about that and we understand there's a psychological component, but having the tools to actually access that as well is, is really freaking cool. So I've got two questions then. One, can you do this to yourself? Can you treat yourself? Mm. You can do self-hypnosis. Absolutely. Um, however, when you are in trance, um, it's better to, yes, you can self-hypnotize yourself for the purpose for step, like say you're afraid of flying. 
I can sit there about to get on my plane or while I'm sitting on the plane ready to take off and I can self hypnotize. I can hypnotize myself and put into my subconscious better suggestions. So for example, um, I have a friend who gets Botox and she's like deathly afraid of needles. Okay. A needle like in her arm here or to get blood or anywhere. She's terrified of needles. She goes into like uh, panic attacks. I said to her, what's the difference? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, the, our, our realities are made up of the words that we say to ourselves and the pictures we make in our head about mm-hmm. something. Right. So I said to her, the picture that you have in your head and the words you say to yourself about needles in your arm or blood or whatever are, Oh my God, it's scary. It's, it's weird. I don't like it. It's going into my arm. It's, you know, giving me putting something into my body da, 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 and it freaks her out. I said, those are the words that you say to yourself and the pictures you make in your head. But then when you think about getting Botox, how do you, how you, how do you feel about it? She's like, I love it because afterwards I'm going to look 10 years younger and it makes me feel so good about myself and it freezes my face. I look like I'm 12 and all of a sudden I said, okay, so let's see, let's look at, there's no difference. It's a needle. It's still a needle, but the words that you're saying about that needle and the pictures you're making in your head are completely different. Your mind is all about suggestibility. Like I can tell you right now that there's two magnets in the palms of your hands when you're in trance and I can have literally like watch you pull your hands together because I'll suggest to your mind that that's happening. Everything that we do is just suggestions. When you wake up in the morning, you say, I'm a fucking fat loser. No one likes you. No wonder you're not livable. No, no wonder you're single. Look at you. You're, you're balding. You're, you're this, you're that. And like, you're telling yourself these suggestions, but that's all it is a suggestion. So RTT replaces those like literally takes those out of you they they find out why do you why do you say that shit to yourself what makes you have such low self-esteem and then we just give you new suggestions and that's all the brain it's you know so it's nlp cbt um all kind of come together so the the neuro-linguistic programming is a huge part of um rtt so i give you a recording and you have to listen to it for 21 days and people are like oh it's so stupid but it's not it's literally like a habit creating a habit yeah um but just su- telling your mind you're suggesting to your mind different things that's why children it's amazing on children for kids that like you know suffer from bedwetting uh, bedwetting or like can't get potty trained um they're so highly suggestible because they're like sponges right so when you start to suggest to a child you love using the big girl potty and blah, 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 blah. And you, you know, after you've done other tools and stuff, it's, it's so beneficial. Like it works like a freaking charm and parents are always like over the moon um, because it actually works because children are so, you know, suggestible and they are like sponges. They absorb things. Right. So you just got to feed. It's about you know, it's the whole thing, like feed your mind, healthy thoughts. And, yeah. but like I said, at the end of the day, you can give yourself so many affirmations. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I'm beautiful. I'm kind. I'm, you have to believe those affirmations. If it, it, Those are great. I love affirmations, but if you don't truly believe it, then it's, it's, it's stupid because your, your subconscious mind doesn't believe it. And that's where I come in. It's like, let's find out why you don't believe this, why you can't look yourself in the mirror and say, I love you. So many people can't do that. They cannot look at themselves in the eye and say, I love you because they have a deep belief that they're unlovable. And it's all, it's usually 95% of the time because they felt unloved by a parent. They felt unheard, unseen, um, unacknowledged. And usually it's like the simplest thing. Like I brought art to my mom when I was like four and she was like, yeah, honey, that's good. And she kind of just like threw it to the side. And that tiny moment in that child's life literally put in their mind. Like my mom doesn't care about 
the things that I create and like, I should try to get her attention in another way. And that's when kids will start bedwetting because that gets mommy's attention, right? Mm -hmm. The art, the creativity, whatever she's busy. She doesn't have time for that. But when you're bedwetting or even like skin conditions, kids can create this need for mom's attention or dad's attention that they actually create a skin condition because then they have to go to the specialist. They have to get cream. Mommy puts the cream on their skin. Um, Like it's incredible. Like I worked with a girl who has IBS um, and it all came down to her father and it's a long story, but all the stuff that her father would do and say to her created this confusion around food. Is it punishment? Is it reward? Is it nourishment? Is it because he would say boys don't like fat girls when she was like five, six and eating a muffin or a cookie, but then he'd force her to eat everything on her plate before she could get down and and go play. He would force her to finish every piece of food on her plate. So confusing. Yeah. So she created this IBS because like her body was so confused with food and like, what is its purpose? And that all came from her dad, but she thought, oh, it comes from X, Y, Z. And then when we did it, she was like, holy fuck. Like, I cannot believe that like the scenes that came up subconsciously were like really to us, to adults, insignificant, like, oh, well, your dad's just an asshole. But as a child, you can't rationalize that. Yeah, you don't understand that. And for parents that are listening to this, you know, right now, stop freaking out thinking that you're fucking up your children in every single way possible. (laughs) That's that's not what's happening. And the beautiful thing is we have people like Kaylin Lee who have the tools if there is something that maybe you might notice in your kid or in yourself that you need to get you need to get dealt with, right? I mean, we all have these little things and it's how much importance you put onto something. You know, as you said, a a kid coming to their mom saying, look what I created in that moment, the mom's busy and she probably a a million other times would have said, that's beautiful. And she probably has, and there's probably artwork on the fridge. But that one time that was really, really important to that kid, that's what happens, right? So am I understanding this correctly? Like in a nutshell, what you're doing is you're helping someone to recognize these moments in their life. And then once they become mindful of it, they become conscious of it. They're able to now change their self-talk because they're not holding on to the same belief as to what they had previous. Yeah. It all comes down to understanding in, in hip, hypnotherapy, understanding the why is the most liberating power because like I said, you can say affirmations at the hoo-ha all day, but if you don't truly believe them, or if you don't understand why am I this way, like someone with OCD, they don't understand. They say, I was just born this way, or I've always been like this, but you haven't. Um, and when you can go back and f- find out, oh my God, I'm this way because my, you know, my parents never gave me control of anything and, and they, they, they lacked a sense of control. So to, so OCD is controlling, right? Cause people can control how many times like it's, yeah. So basically when you, when you can understand the why you can then change it, but you can't change, you can change it, but by reading books and educating yourself and doing mindfulness practices, but at the root core, the deep core level, you need to understand where it all came from. Why do you have this addiction to, you know, people have addictions to so many things, gambling to this, to that. Um, why do you have a fear of public speaking? If you can understand the why, then you have all the power in the world to change it. But you Absolutely. have to understand. Yeah. I want to tell you a funny story. So I I have two children and they will be five and eight this summer. And we we talk a lot, you know, especially in the car. We have conversations about everything and anything. And 
last summer, I was trying to explain to them because Mark and I, we teach mindfulness, we teach self-awareness, we teach about visualization and affirmations and everything you were just saying about, you know, your beliefs being given to you by um, people in authority and that's what dictates your behavior. So I was sort of um, trying to talk to my children about like the power of their own mind because my younger daughter sometimes (laughs) has the tendency to immediately go to the negative. Like I think there's there's a teeny tiny bit of um competitiveness or jealousy maybe with her older sister. So like if her older sister gets praise from one of us, instead of looking at it as my sister did something really great, it's like, oh, I'm not as great. And so we were we were having this conversation about, you know, when I give you praise, it doesn't diminish anything your sister has done and vice versa. And so anyway, I'm talking to them about the power of their own mind. And at the time, you know, she's only four, right? And she's like, okay, so my brain actually controls everything that's happening around me. And I said, yes, it does, right? You have so much control. Mark's killing himself laughing because now this is what it's turned into. We're stuck in traffic, okay? And she's in the back seat going, there isn't any traffic. There isn't any traffic. There isn't any traffic. There's no traffic. The traffic is going to go away. Now. And she just keeps saying this. And then when we get out of the traffic, she goes to me, mommy, my brain did that. <laughs> wow. I love it. But she's understanding. She's understanding like, you know, that your brain is very powerful. That's all. That's more like magic but and good for her. Yep. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. But no, starting them young, like it's so important what you what you know what their mind and what a huge thing too with parents is the ability to apologize a lot of parent people say like oh well elder people don't need to apologize to you but if you had a bad like say you amanda like you have a bad day and you're super stressed out you come home and your child is like mommy and you're like yeah babe later or like you snap on them or something right yep. that child because you snapped on them now thinks what did i do wrong what have, why have I made mommy upset when really it has nothing to do with them? It's you, you're stressed out. Yep. The, 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 uh, the fact that you can go to your child that night and say, honey, I am so sorry that I snapped on you. That was not your fault. I had a really bad day. Mommy's very stressed, you know, stressed out. You're amazing. That, that was nothing to do with you. You did nothing wrong. Then you start to teach the child like, oh, okay. So mom can have, a, she was just having a bad day. It wasn't anything to do with me. So then they can start to process okay, not everything is about me. So if someone on the street, you know, they say hi to someone and the person gives them a a dirty look, the kid's not like, oh my God, why did they say hi to me? Like, what did I do wrong? That now your little girl's going to go, oh, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe something bad happened to them. And it can go, and it goes both ways. So I do apologize to the kids, you know, like if Mark's pissed me off and I snap on them, (laughs) (laughs) I will, I will say to them afterwards, you know, like, you know, sorry, I, you didn't deserve that. That was nothing that you did wrong. I, I apologize. But then it goes the other way because, you know, they're, they're human. They're going to have their moods. My older daughter um, seems to get frustrated quite easily. And, you know, I always chalk it up to like, Mark and I both are somewhat of perfectionists. And it seems that she has inherited that from both of us where she can be a little bit hard on herself. We're working on it, but she'll get very frustrated. And then when she gets frustrated, she might yell at her sister or, you know, give me a little bit of attitude or say something rude to her dad. And then we'll talk, you know, once things have calmed down, we'll talk a little bit and I'll tell her like, it's completely okay to be upset or to be frustrated or to be angry. What's not okay, though, is to direct your anger at everybody else. You know, and so I apologize to show her like, yeah, you know, I I made the mistake, but I'm I'm going to apologize for it. and I'm going to try to do better and not do that. But I want them to understand the same thing. Like you can't just be a jerk because you're in a bad mood. Exactly. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. You sound like 
the best parent ever. Because <laughs> they you know, might I, differ. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, we have access to all this information now. Like when I was growing up, parents didn't meditate. They didn't do, you know, they didn't reflect. They didn't journal. I mean, not as far as I know. Like, so there was a lot of just undealt with emotions. And mm-hmm. um, that's the healthiest, the most unhealthy thing is undealt with emotions because they will, they want to be felt. And if they're not felt, they go back down, they regroup and they manifest as something else. But I want to say to you, as for the perfectionist thing, um, one thing you can say to your daughter is like, because perfectionism is, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole thing on its own. Say to her, there's no such thing as being perfect. We're all flawed people having flawed relationships in a flawed world. And that makes people feel so much better because it's so true. Like, there is no such thing as perfect and you don't want to be perfect because once you're perfect at something, that means there's no room for growth. There's no yeah. room for go- getting more ahead and, and getting further up the ladder or whatever. It's like, um, yeah, perfectionism. Like we're just flawed people having flawed relationships with other flawed people. She, she does understand that. It's actually really, really cute because um, so we're Catholic. So she now has a you know, just something we've talked about. And she now reminds herself when she is beating herself up for making a mistake or not doing something perfectly. I'll say to her, it's okay, Elise, is anybody perfect? And then she'll turn to me and say, nobody's perfect except God. <laughs> okay, good. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. These, these, little, these little girls are going to be such healthy, like mindful human beings and they'll just spread it to everyone else. And, you know, their, their friends will learn from them and, that's so good. Good for you. I want to ask you a quick question. And this is this is going to be helpful for, I think, a lot of massage therapists. How does a massage therapist bring up this referral? Like, I've got someone on my table, and, and, and they're telling me stuff about themselves and their lives and everything else. And I'm thinking to myself, you probably need to go see someone that does, like, RTD. You know what I mean? And how do I bring that up in a way that's sensitive to to the scenario, to the situation. So I think the number one thing is always be relatable. So always make them feel like they're not different because that's as human beings, that's one of our biggest fears is being different from everyone else. But just by having that thought and that fear makes us the same as everyone else. So you want to make them feel comfortable. So I would say like, say the person's suffering from crazy anxiety and they can't sleep and they just have like, they just get have panic attacks in social situations. I would try to be relatable. So I'd say, you know what? I know exactly how you feel. I used to, I used to get feel the exact same way. Um, I used to panic when I'd have to go to a dinner party and I didn't know the people that were going to be there. I would have like little mini panic attacks. Um, but you know what really helped me is I went and saw this person, or I did this form of therapy, or I started to journal. Like that's how I would bring it up. So be relatable to them. If it's something you can't relate to, you can try to in some way relate to them. But for me, like I'm so close with my, like my patients have become, they're just so good to me. We're, we're good to each other. So I feel very comfortable bringing this up. And I, I, I'll just say to them, Oh my gosh, no, that's, that's unacceptable that you feel that way, that you are so hard on yourself. Like let's do a session of our, you know, a RTT session And I want to get rid of this limiting belief for you because you're so amazing and incredible. You don't deserve to be feeling this way. Like that's, that's crazy pants. I don't want you to feel that way anymore. Crazy pants. Let's deal with this. But what people always, I I get people saying to me is, well, I don't want you to control my mind. Like I have a doctor or a patient of mine 
and he has an issue with like perfectionism and also like he's so hard on himself and he has so many achievements, but he doesn't have any of them up on his wall in his office. None of them, like none of his diplomas, certificates, nothing. And I asked him why he said, because I know I can do better. I can do more and I can do better. And I said, but don't you think having those plaques up there will, will every time you walk into the room, you'll be like, wow, I did that. And I did that. And I did that. And now I know that because I've done those things, I know that I can do this. And I know I can do this, like use those as tokens of appreciation for what you've done so far. And motivation. And, yeah. Motivation. And he's like, no, I, I think keeping them in a box gives me more motivation. Cause when I walk in and I see a blank wall, I say to myself, you, you need to do more. And I was like, why, why do you say that? Why do you do that? And I start asking him, like, he's getting a massage. And I start asking him, like, can I ask you, like, what was your childhood? Like, okay, well, there it is. His father abandoned him and his brother. And you know, the, the dad was like really harsh. And then he tried to come back into the life later. And he was like, always like super hard on, on him. And so then I told him about RTT. I said, listen, I think this will really help you. I won't even, you know, won't even charge you. Like I, I want to help you. I want to see you do well and um, be easier on yourself and understand where this comes from. And he's so hesitant. He's like, what if you, he's like, because he's a surgeon. He's like, what if you mess up my mind and I can't be a surgeon anymore? And I said, if I could have that much control over your mind, I'd be a millionaire. I, you know, I would control people's mind and be like, go put money in my bank account, buy me a Ferrari, (laughs) you know, it just doesn't happen. There's no such thing as like me controlling your mind. All it is, is I put you into a state of relaxation where you can relax so fully that have you ever driven home and you get all the way home and you're like, holy shit, I don't even remember turning at that turn all the time at that stop all the time because you're on autopilot right or when you're in a movie and you're you're feeling and you're crying and you're laughing and you're so enthralled in this in this movie that is a form of hypnosis we go into hypnosis several times a day that brings up the question i've been dying to ask you right now i I have to interrupt you and jump in you were talking about self-hypnosis is this similar to meditating then like if you're trying to do it to yourself yeah so you're getting into the same uh brainwave so you, you guys know right now we're in beta we're in beta brainwave because we're talking we're conscious um then we have delta theta alpha is when you are in meditation, like in a deep meditative state when you're relaxed and you're just kind of like you go inwards. So you, mm-hmm. you're like reflecting inwards, right? Um, so basically what hypnosis is and is different from meditation is just the process. So what I have the person start off by doing is looking up with their eyeballs and they look up into their eyebrows or, you know, if I'm in person, I can do this with my fingers and have them look at my fingers or I say like pick a spot overhead. And so they look up. So they're looking into their prefrontal cortex, right? So they're looking up, looking up, and they're breathing. They're breathing in, they're breathing out, they're breathing in, they're breathing out. And every time they blink, their eyes just not, if you even want to try it now, you look up into your eyebrows, you kind of feel a slight strain and keep looking up. And every time you blink, you'll notice it. Like I literally, like I go into it so easily because my eyelids get so heavy, droopy, drowsy. And then I keep, you keep breathing the person's eyes. You see them kind of start to get heavy and then you keep the eyeballs up keeping the eyeballs up, you lower the eyelids down. And I don't know if you can see there's like a fluttering Mm -hmm. going on, right? So rapid eye movement. So that fluttering is going on. And then you you keep them breathing. And then you say, relax your eyes now and now lower your head. When you lower your head, it's that's the difference between hypnosis and meditation. So that process, and then I walk you downstairs, or I walk you through a garden or 
along a beach and you're, you're going down, you're going deeper, you're sinking deeper. And then I do suggestibility. So like, I'll say the magnets and you'll see the person's hands go like this. And then when they, their fingertips touch, they, their hands fall down into their lap and they go even deeper into a trance. And there's other things I can do too, like um, pretending that they're sucking on a lemon and they, they actually feel like the, like, have you guys ever been like so excited to go eat something? Like you're like, Oh, I'm going to barbecue tonight. I have this steak. It's going to be so salty and whatever you're, you know, sorry if you're a vegetarian. Also all the time, but that's only because I think about food all the time. (laughs) Exactly. But your mouth starts to water, right? Yep. Like you can actually feel water coming into your mouth because you're like, I can see that steak, smell that steak, taste that steak, but that steak's in your imagination. Like it doesn't exist. It's not there. You can't point to it. Um, It's a picture you made in your head, but you're eliciting a physical response to that thought, Mm -hmm. you know? Same with like, if you're watching a TV show and like the other day I was watching Bob's Burgers and um, Tina, I can't remember what happened, but all these ants started crawling up her arm, like a thousand little ants. And I literally was like, and I like my spine, I got like goosebumps and my, I had to shake my body and I was like, Oh God, like I hate, you know, like little ants and critters and stuff like that. But it was a cartoon. It doesn't exist. It, you know, it, it's not real, but yet my body had a physical reaction to it. So, yeah. um, yeah, so you put the person into hypnosis and then you do suggestibility, uh, things and yeah, you just have them in a super relaxed state. They're looking, they're looking down like this. And just after doing the eye thing and then looking down, if you guys tr- try it later, like, you know, I'll, I'm going to have videos up eventually and how to do self hypnosis. And then if you listen to a, a tape while you're, while you do that, everything just goes in and it, you're just suggesting to your mind. So it's just like auto suggestion. So that's when you are starting to like, always ask people, I'm going to make you a recording. It's my job to give you exactly what you want. Tell me what you want to hear. Like, what would you like to hear every day? What is praise that you want to hear? What is, you know, what, paint me a picture, the perfect day. Like people are like, Oh, I want to wake up and feel this way. I want to wake up and, and see this and hear this. Like, I want to hear, you know, my children laughing and having fun and like being happy. Like it's all about the senses. And then I put that into the recording and then every night they go into hypnosis. I put them into hypnosis, you know, they're by themselves. It's a recording. And then the suggestions just go into their, into their mind. So, but it's after regressing them, finding out the when, where, why, how they inherited these addictions, these limiting beliefs, these blockages, these fears and phobias. And once they've understood that, Again, there's processes. We let it go or we give it a new role. Um, we dialogue with the herder, which is super powerful. Um, I have them have conversations with their younger self. So they're actually like in the room with their child. And that's when people always lose it. Like they people start crying um, when they see themselves as a child. And you just learn a lot of useful tools to help you have phenomenal coping skills. And that's what life kind of is about, right? Which ties into like me working on boats, now being an RMT. I just have really good coping skills with people who talk down to you with, you know, I just learned how to, yeah, cope with certain characteristics and people this is and situations. So fascinating. I could talk to her all day. Like we, <laughs> I have other meetings today, but I was just like, <laughs> I want to learn more. This is so fascinating. Yeah, no, I know. It's super interesting. And I love it. Like, and I'm not trying to sell myself. Like I just, I really, the reason why I got into this is because I, I really do see a need to help people on such a deeper level. And Everyone that I talk to is always so interested, but then they have that fear. So I'm just trying to eliminate that fear. Like there's no mind control. It's, you know, and people say, well, I have some, uh, some really traumatic experiences. Like you hear some really, I've, I cry almost every session. Like obviously the person's eyes are closed. So like I, 
you know, I'm kind of like going like this because some of the stories are heartbreaking and people are like, I don't want to relive that. And I always say, you're not reliving it. You're going back and you're observing it. Picture it happening on a computer screen or a TV screen. You're simply going back. You're you're revisiting the situation. You're observing what happened and how it directly connects to your issue now and today. Um, You know, but if you don't feel safe, um, that's why I I say like, you're, you're here, you're with me. You can never be, you've already gone through that. It can't hurt you again. It can't re hurt you. You've already survived that situation and now you're observing it so that you can leave it in the past, learn something from it and allow it, allow it to be of use to becoming this person that you want to be or becoming, uh, attaining this attribute that you, that you want. Mm -hmm. So a lot of athletes do it too. Like they're, you know, um, uh, professional athletic teams, they have physio, chiro, massage therapy, all like on standby. And now a lot of teams have hypnotherapists because visualization and reverse engineering is so powerful to yeah. like reverse engineer a situation. So like I have a meeting on Monday and people are like, I'm so nervous about this meeting. Oh my God. No, no, no. Let's go in and think about the ending. See people shaking your hand being like, that was a great job. Hear them, see them, feel them shaking your hand, reverse engineer that situation so that you can like, and when you're in hypnosis, it all just becomes so real that when the situation comes, the person's already subconsciously wired themselves for that outcome. Like yeah, it's, it's they're really ready cool. for it. Yeah. I'm sure you get a lot of skeptics. Um, I want to go back to Mark's question because I, I was having some thoughts as I was listening to her speak about this. Mm-hmm. When if you are a massage therapist and you you do have a client that you feel like, mm-hmm. you know, because they've opened up, they've told you things like you have this feeling that they could probably benefit from something like but this, you but you don't, but you don't want to offend them, right? You exactly. have to be sensitive and it isn't within our scope of practice unless you've been specially trained like she has. Right. My suggestion would be, you know, to be as transparent as possible, which I hope you are being with your patients anyway, where you say, you know, we've tried this, we've done this, you've seen this practitioner, you've done this, you've done all of these things. And this issue is still existing. You know, I'm just spitballing here, but have you ever heard of this type of therapy or, you know, maybe suggesting a few things and just giving them like, here's some links, you know, even giving them Kayla and Lee's Instagram page, right? Like something to say, like, look into this. This is interesting. I've just recently learned about it. I don't know if it could help you, but this is a possibility, right? Like, I think the only way to get rid of all the skepticism and the stigma too, right? Like, I know there's people that would be afraid to do this because they're thinking, like you said, I don't want to relive this, understanding that you're not reliving it, but also that we can just keep pushing it down and pushing it down, pushing it down. It doesn't go anywhere. And getting rid of this embarrassment. I think a lot of people don't want to do stuff like this because they think, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to sit in this room with this woman and she's going to see me like crying or whatever. Getting rid of that. I think the only way to do it and to get people more open to this type of therapy is education. So if you do have patients who you think could benefit from this, even just giving them you know, leaving it in their court, right? Giving them the information saying, this is completely outside of my scope, but thought you might find this interesting. I mean, hopefully you've got a good enough relationship with your patients. Like I know with me, I'm I'm like you, Caitlin, like I... I'm really super close to the people that I treat. I feel like they trust me enough that if I were to say, check this out, 
they would check it out and they they know that I'm looking out for their best interest. And it's also it's also like time and place to say this. Like exactly. You, you may you may think you want to do this in this particular, you know, meeting with this with this client and then you're like this is just not the right day, the right time right. to to say. And I bring this up because I saw this in one of the Facebook groups and I don't remember exactly cuz I smoke too much fucking weed, right? <laughs> Where someone said basically they they told one of their clients like I'm I'm observing this with with your body. You might be presenting with this you might want to check it out and their client basically said fuck off like they were offended by what 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 they were told and and all of this just kind of played together and hence the question yeah and so there's there's a deeper issue there because again i mean if you are a patient of mine and you are willing to put yourself in this vulnerable position and trust me the way that my patients trust me like i would assume that we could have an honest conversation and there wouldn't but so there was obviously some issue with the dynamic between patients and therapists there day and time day and time yeah yeah read the room read the room yeah that's a huge thing right because a lot of people they have the best intentions they really do like that person might have had the best intentions and like really wanted to help this person but if you don't have that rapport it's kind of it's very hard to bring that kind of thing up um, yeah, so that's a tough one. You just have to exactly read the room, know what your relationship is, where you stand with that person. Um, you know, it, that's that, that I think that's very individual, like it's very contextual. So, yeah. And that's why we do all these types of episodes too, where we do the episodes where we have Steven, our friend there who was telling us how he was addicted to crack and mm-hmm. he was an, he was an alcoholic and how, how, how does he accept being, being communicated with like what worked for him? What didn't work for him? Like hearing all those stories makes a huge difference. And again, it goes back to what we talked about right at the beginning with experience, right? Being um, a body worker is not just about the body. We all know that now, you know, all these other factors come into play. And having an understanding of people, if you're going to work in a profession like ours, where you're working with people, you have to be able to meet people where they are, you have to be able to be adaptable. Empathy is a huge thing. I know Mark always jokes and says he's not empathetic. I mean, he is he might not be as sensitive as I am. But definitely, there's empathy there or you wouldn't have been as successful as you have been for the last 20 some odd years old man. Yeah, you wouldn't have started this platform that's literally helping people like you, you have empathy, but just because you have empathy doesn't mean that you're like, you know, a little wimp or something like people can be very strong on the exterior and very like confident and seem like very intimidating, but be the biggest empaths ever, you know? Absolutely. Well, this is super interesting. And I'm so excited. Um, to talk to you off mic because I think that there's some really great work we can do together. I love what you're doing. And, um, before we wrap up the episode, do you want to give an, out any contact information? That's up to you. If there's people who are listening that want to reach out, that want to maybe try a session or have patients to book with you or just want to learn more, where can they find you? Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm working on my website. Um, my web des- designer guy, he's kind of been a little bit MIA lately. So it's it's coming along and I will have a booking platform there where you can book a consultation call with me for, you know, just if you want to ask me questions or see if you know, you're a candidate or whatever, because there's certain people that we cannot work with. Like if you're on antipsychotic um, drugs, unfortunately, if you have diagnosed schizophrenia, um, uh, unfortunately, we cannot work with that. But uh, yeah, so my website will be up and running soon where you can book me online. However, in the meantime, I do everything just like I am my own, you know, receptionist. Uh, and because I work from home, I don't have a massage online platform because I can't just allow 
anyone to be able to book with me because you're coming into my home, right? So it's referral basis only. So people email me, text me, Instagram me, Facebook message me, but go onto my Instagram. It's probably the fastest way. Kaylin Lee underscore therapy. Um, and you can message me there and eventually you'll be able to book me there through link tree and things like that. But yeah, check out my Instagram. I do have a Q and a section. Um, so if you have more questions, check out, you know, that to see if your answer, if the answers are there, feel free to message me. I am happy to talk to anyone about anything. Um, I'll be super honest and open about it. Um, and if I think that I can't help you, I will refer you to some that I, I think can. Um, yeah, I just, that's, uh, that's all I have going on right now is Instagram and soon my website. So yeah, Kaylin Lee underscore therapy on Instagram. And that's where you can find me for, for now. Awesome. Right on. It's been fun. Thanks for hanging out. Mm-hmm. I do have one one last question. When there's two therapists and one client, is the time go by faster? I mean, I guess it kind of depends. Like, as you guys know, sometimes uh, sessions go by, like I'll do 90 minutes and I'm like, holy crap, because I'm talking to the person and I'm so like into the conversation. Um, and then other ones just like kind of tick by. But I would say, generally speaking, it does go by faster because my girlfriend and I can have conversation, like we can talk with our eyes, if that makes sense. Like, you know, like we'll look at each other and, and, um, we have fun with it. Like we enjoy what we do. Right. So, um, and the, the, the patients are always people that we know, um, and are comfortable with and whether there's, they're talking or not, we, yeah, we, we enjoy what we do. So it just always kind of being in her presence, things kind of go by, by faster anyway, like time goes by when you're having fun kind of thing, you know, even though we're not like, we're being serious and professional, but it's just, yeah, it goes by faster. I think I get it right on. This is fun. Yes, thank you. Thank you guys for having me and for all you do. I, I think it's super helpful for people. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. Peace.